If you're a coach and you are challenged by how to stand out in a very noisy world right now, then I have got a special treat for you because on today's episode, I'm bringing on someone who parlayed their coaching and consulting experience into becoming one of the top trainers on LinkedIn Learning. They have had over 700 articles published in Fast Company, Harvard Business Review. But at the core of this, their best ideas came from the activity of coaching. And we're going to be diving into that with someone who authored the book, The Long Game, a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Dory Clark is someone I'm excited to get into your ears today. So welcome to the UpCoach podcast with Dory Clark. Welcome to the UpCoach podcast for modern coaches and creators with your host, Todd Herman. In 20 minutes or less, our goal is to share one big idea that will transform your coaching and your business. So let's get into today's episode. Dory Clark, welcome to the UpCoach podcast. I'm excited to have a friend of a long time here with us today. Todd, I'm so glad to have the opportunity to, to get to see you. We were we're hanging out in person about six weeks ago, and that was magical. And now we get a chance for a repeat here. Sharing Uber rides together, getting lost in the backwoods of Tennessee. <laughs> but people don't need to hear those stories. Well, Dory, I've been a big fan of your work. I just like the way that your brain works. I like the methodical and comprehensive approach that you have to kind of everything that you touch and everything that you do. You're super well respected as well. I think you're still like the number one teacher on LinkedIn learning, if I'm not mistaken. You don't need to brag. I'll do it for you. You're near the top-ish, if not the top. Before we kick on into like the one thing for you in your world of mentoring and coaching and teaching and training and all the good stuff that you do, just give everyone a little bit of a high level on who you are, who you work with, and kind of where you like to focus your energy. Yeah, thank you, Todd. So basically, my my work that I do is about communication and helping people get their ideas and message out more effectively in a loud and crowded world. And so the coaching work that I have done is typically in two categories. One, when I'm working with executives and C-suite people, it's typically more outward facing. I got my start in politics. I was the press secretary on a governor's race in the US. I was the New Hampshire communications director on a presidential campaign. So I have a lot of experience working with people sort of transmitting messages at scale. So a lot of the, the work I do with executives is about how do you communicate with your people? How do you communicate with stakeholders or shareholders? depending on on their role. But what I am especially interested in talking with you about today is the work that I actually do with folks who are perhaps themselves coaches or consultants, people who sort of are or strive to be in the thought leadership space. I've done a lot of coaching work with them. And generally that work is focused around how can they get their ideas heard because you know we all know that the best marketing is having people come to you because they know what you're about and they like it and so figuring out how to break through is one of the things that I'm most interested in it's so important i think i did a very lackadaisical approach when i first started out with because i'm like you know i know i'm really good at this and people will just see that that i'm really good at this type of thing so i didn't 
try to master the art of languaging something in a more effective way. And my mentor, Jim Rohn, I was so fortunate to be mentored by him early on in my career because I saw him slave away for one of his speeches over the use of one word. It was saying this one sentence in his speech. And I was like, what is it? It's one word inside the sentence. And he said, that one word is the difference between hitting someone with an absolute ball peen hammer between the eyes or a feather. And so that always kind of stuck with me. So I'm glad that you kind of highlighted that because that is one thing that you're extremely strong at. And what's interesting about you, Dory, is I don't think people would guess that about you if they just met you at an event is how strong your communication style is. Because nowadays, you just were talking about the loudness of the world that we live in. You know, people kind of think about the person who's posturing the most, puffing the chest the most, screaming the loudest or whatever. But you're so good at putting the laser beam on your communication and cutting through the noise. So on that note, do you want to drop the bomb for everybody? What's the one thing in your world, Dory? Absolutely, Todd. Thank you. All right. Let's get ready for the atomic smash here. Here we go. So oftentimes when I, and this is something that that I learned largely through trial and error myself early on in my business, but when folks come to me and they're looking for ways to try to get their ideas heard, one of the crucial things, and I think every coach or consultant knows this, is content creation. You know, how do you create your own ideas so that there's something that you are associated with uniquely, your own IP? And the problem is that for a lot of people, they say, well, you know, I don't have anything new to share or everything I want to say has been said before. And so what I wanted to talk with you about, Todd, I think the question that you ask is so interesting. You know, like, what's the sort of unique insight? Largely what I spend time working with folks on is the question and the process of how do you actually understand what in what you do is unique and interesting. And for me, the training in this actually came during a period of about six or eight months, 20 plus years ago when I was working as a freelance journalist. And that is a business where you really have to, you know, you you eat what you kill and you are only getting paid if an editor will buy your story, which means that you need to come up with a story that is so interesting they are willing to say yes I will commission extra money and pay you out of a finite budget for it. So how do we do that as coaches? How do we actually say, all right, I have a unique thing? Because you know, everything's really normal to us. It might feel easy, you know. So typically what I have people do in terms of just a process that I walk them through is literally to sort of recount to me or you can recount this to your friend or whoever your last few client engagements. Like, all right, what did they talk to you about? What was the problem that they had? What was the advice that you gave them? Like, tell me everything. And for them, it's just, you know, so obvious. Oh, well, they were having a problem with delegation. And so I told them to blah, 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 blah. And have the other person write it down or, you know, have it recorded. And there's two different ways to come up with story ideas. We often try to do top down and say, oh, what's a brilliant idea? What's a marketable idea? And when you do that, you just get so stuck. But what I think we often need to do is do bottom up. Start with your lived experiences of the things, you know, real people. What are they asking you? What did you say to them? What was the experience that is out there? Start with the bottom up and then say, all right, what problem does this solve? What is the use case? What is the, you know, what to do when that you can fill in? 
And almost always, you can literally get content ideas and write entire articles based on the advice that you give in your coaching sessions. You just are letting it go into the ether. You know, it's benefiting one person. But if you learn to start meticulously capturing, oh, wait, I told him four things. Here, let me write them down at the end of your sessions. That is article ideas for between now and the, the rest of your life. So... I've had a very similar experience with the people that are in like my mentoring and, and coaching because <laughs> I would never go out and broadcast to the world because I have enough sort of brand monikers on me, you know, Mr. Alter Ego, Mr. Night at a Year and all these different things. But because I focus so much time and energy on like, I do want to be prolific in the work that I do. And part of that means learning to say things in interesting and captivating ways and so I've kind of maybe developed an ear of sensitivity towards when someone says something, I'm like, oh, you just skipped over like a phenomenal value prop and you probably have the same experience. There was one time in a workshop for one of my groups, this amazing woman, Hani Wolshansky, who is prolific and a great leader in the um, education space. She was doing exactly what you'd said, like unpacking the stuff that she works with people on. And, and she mentioned, and I said, well, what's the main problem that these teachers are dealing with? And she's like, well, think about it. Like she's, they're constantly yelling to the kids, you know, stop, turn around, sit down. And, da, da, da. and I said, well, wait, stop. That's a phenomenal name for a program. Stop, turn around, sit down. That's so good, Todd. Nice catch. I love that. And she built her first phase of growth off of that one thing. And it happens over and over and over again. But do you think people can be good? Like if I recorded it myself so that I could hear it, have you seen people have much success in trying to evaluate their own words as they've communicated it? I think it's very hard for people at first because they don't know what exactly they're looking for. But over time, you can absolutely train yourself to capture it. I mean, I have clients now that I've worked with for a number of years and they, you know, they, they don't even really need me anymore. You know, we just sort of like check in, but they are capturing it for themselves and, and they're able to sort of filter and in the moment, like, oh, you know, like, like a part of their brain is saying a thing to a client and a part of them is saying, oh, that's really good. And they're capturing it. So I think that broadly speaking, it's helpful to have, you know, a kind of friend or accountability partner that you're doing it with initially, because it's often much easier to see the good stuff when it's somebody else's. Yeah. But yeah, over time, at a minimum, what I would say is if you can train yourself to just be putting things into a formula, every time you have a session with a client, essentially just write down, you know, you can do this, type it into a document or something. What was the central problem that the person was having? Like, you know, what is the situation that they needed help with? And then presumably, you know, I, I know there's some coaches that all they do is ask questions. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. hopefully above and beyond that, you, you know, give some kind of advice. But even, even if it's literally just asking questions, it's like, all right, well, what were the five insightful questions you asked in that circumstance? Or if you're giving more advice, you know, which I typically do in sessions, what were the pieces of advice? And just capture those. And then that becomes the essay format, right? I mean, when you're writing articles for Fast Company, for Harvard Business Review, for you know the World Economic Forum blog, whatever it is, none of that is fundamentally different. We somehow kind of make it different in our heads, but it's not fundamentally different than you know the five paragraph essays that we learned to write in grade school. It's like, all right, what's your thesis that you're arguing? What's your five 
points and then evidence to back it up. And that evidence can be client examples, studies, what have you, and then a conclusion to summarize it. That's what you've got. So you can really discipline yourself to create the raw material pretty easily over time. What I love about, and again, to everyone listening, right before we kicked off the interview, I asked Dory, okay, Dory, do you have your like one thing you're going to share? And she's like, yeah, do you want me to tell you? And I'm like, no, I just want it to be fresh. So what I love about this is this maps to exactly the same stuff that I talk to other thought leaders or experts or, or people that are trying to build careers that might be similar or different, whatever it might be, that the best answers to some of these questions are not going to be found meditating about it, sitting on your couch, trying to come up with that big idea. It's found in the gutters and the nuance of the conversations that you have. And what coaches don't realize they have as a superpower over other people is you have a real experience of a real human being that's challenged or struggling with something, trying to achieve something. And you just moved through a conversation or a coaching conversation with someone and there's such phenomenal content in there that could transform other people, more people. So where has that shown up as a difference maker for you as you've grown your career? I would say that one of the, the biggest things, I mean, above and beyond just you know the emotional gratification of my being able to help people, so many of my clients that I've worked with come to me with a really specific desire that they feel frustrated because, you know, they're smart people, they have good ideas, they know they have good ideas, but it's always, you know, sort of go paging through the magazines and seeing other people's bylines and saying like, oh, I could have written that. Yeah. Like that's, that's such a maddening feeling over time. And so to actually be able to surmount that and to crack that code and to have you be the person who is actually in those those blogs, those websites, those magazines is really powerful. And, you know, in terms of how it's helped them, I mean, obviously they're they're achieving a goal and a dream of theirs. They're much more visible. And so they have people coming to them. I have one client who became a, a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review. He's gotten over $2 million worth of business, literally from one company that found him through an article that he wrote and then has just kept retaining him for high dollar contracts, both coaching and speaking and consulting. But for me personally, I think one of the most powerful credibility builders, if you do something as an individual, everybody's like, well, you know, yay, good for you. But, you know, maybe you're special or different in some way, right? Like, you know, maybe you're the outlier. Nobody sort of takes it seriously. Yeah. But if you are able to help a lot of other people do it, then they begin to say, oh, actually, there may be a system. There may be a methodology. And that means it might be able to help me. So just as one metric, I mean, this is not this one publication is not the be all and end all, but it's one that I've just sort of tracked there are 58 people that I've worked with, either with private coaching or part of my recognized expert community, who have become contributors to the Harvard Business Review. You know, many more have become contributors to Forbes, to Fast Company, to other places. And so for me, that's very validating in the sense that, yeah, there actually are some specific principles that you can show people and it enables them to break through in a way that may have been much more difficult if they had to figure it out by trial and error. Yeah. So if we timeline this, because one thing that remember when I first met you, Dory, you were someone who was very different than 
some of the people that I was sort of meeting in the, I'd say the digital ecosystem, because you were, your content was in places like HBR and Forbes and whatnot, whereas other people might've been writing on, you know, Mind Body Green and Huffington Post. And those avenues seemed a bit easier to go and get, whereas there's a bit of a moat around you because you Harvard Business Review. So to timeline this out, you were campaign managing or communications director for a governor. And then you started getting into this comms world of helping people language things better. Where did you start? Like, what was your angle of attack in? Because I know that that is a challenge that people, again, you just talked about, people put up this huge barrier saying, well, of course, Dory can do it because she came from the political world. So she's probably got some sort of political connections at Harvard or something. But what was the actual initial kind of pathway for you? literally the pathway into Harvard Business Review, just to use that as an example. And I can tell you stories about all the different publications because they're all different in kind of interesting ways. But for Harvard Business Review, I was living at the time in the Boston area. And I, I love this one because for me, this really is the, the sort of archetypal example of you know preparation plus luck equals opportunity. Yeah, I sold my bike on Craigslist, Todd, to a woman who worked at the Harvard Business Review. <laughs> and that is how I started writing for them. That is literally how it happened. Now, the proviso, she wasn't, you know, quote unquote, the right person. She could not green light me, but she worked there. I had to follow up with her multiple times, but she eventually introduced me to somebody who was the right person. And it only worked because I had been preparing pitches unsuccessfully for other publications for about a year before that. So I had this huge stack of pitches, but it was that plus the luck of meeting somebody who could kind of indirectly help me. Well, so beyond you giving everyone the template for your bike listing, that would not <laughs> work out very well for a lot of people. It does map back to one of the core tenets of achievement success talked about by Malcolm Gladwell in different books or Daniel Coyle in The Talent Code and many others where it's environment is important. And so the way that we can engineer more luck is by putting ourselves inside of an environment that is going to create that. So if you were selling your bike on Craigslist in Topeka, Kansas, likelihood of meeting someone from HBR very, very low. That is correct. So just as a kind of pull up takeaway for anyone that's listening is, if you're looking at trying to create more opportunities for you, let's make sure that we have you in the right environments where we can leverage happenstance, circumstance, luck, all these different things while doing exactly what you had done, preparing for those moments with, you know, continuing to like chop wood, carry water, doing the things you need to do. The other one I'd like to just unpack real quickly that I think would be interesting because I know the success that you've had on LinkedIn and uh, we don't need to share numbers, but the monthly commission check that you get from LinkedIn is, let's just say to the listener out there, extraordinarily healthy. They've been very good to you and you've been very good to them with the success of your programming. You're like me, you've got your own programming that sits behind your own membership areas. Did you have any challenges or obstacles in your own mind of, ooh, I should just sell this myself and not put it on some big platform? like? I'd like to talk about that real quickly. And then how did the LinkedIn thing happen? Was it another one of those just things colliding together? You raise great questions, Todd. To the first one, I actually did carve out certain areas with LinkedIn where I just decided, all right, I'm not going to 
give another entity the IP rights for this because it's too close to the core material that I do. Gotcha. So for instance, they were interested in doing a lot of stuff around personal branding, but that was something that with my book, Reinventing You, I I focused on a lot. So all of the courses that I've done have been in the realm of what I would say are material that I could do, I'm capable of doing, but it was not my independently created core focus. So they asked like, well, could you do something about listening skills? Or could you do something about accountability? Could you do something about persuasion? And I'm like, great, sure, yes, I can do those things. And so it felt like value added for me to be able to have an extra channel of exposure, but I still was able to keep certain elements, like my recognized expert program that I run, which is is something that I do privately. To your second question, how did it get started? One of the things that I think is most crucial, and I know this is a philosophy that you share as well, is really just the compound value of networking. When I moved to New York, a little less than a decade ago, I needed to meet a lot of people. I knew some people, but not enough. I didn't have enough friends. And so I started hosting dinners. But one of the strategies that I had was I would often co-host dinners with different people. And so we'd basically say, well, all right, I'll invite three people and you invite three people, or I'll invite four and you invite four. So I ended up co-hosting it with a guy. And one of the people that he happened to know, I wouldn't have come across her otherwise, was a woman who, as it turns out, she's sort of a specialist in like marketing and PR. And she was an early LinkedIn learning instructor. I think even at the time, it wasn't even LinkedIn learning. I think it was lynda.com. And she said to me, she's like, you know, you'd be great for that because she knew that I taught at Duke. And she was just like, this is a cool thing you should do. I really like them. You know, like that was, it was not a big thing. She just was a really nice person who's like, hey, here's a thing I can introduce you. And so she put me in touch with her producer that was how it happened, was basically through a dinner that I co-hosted with somebody, a random connection of somebody that I don't know very well, but it turned into a long-term, lucrative and and mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, well, that simply indexes towards a quote that I give people in our world of business moves at the speed of relationships. You know, I think it's just the ultimate grease to put on the slide of success is, because if you've got the relationship, and you and I have the same skill sets and I reach out to that lady cold with an idea for the exact same course that you just talked to her about, you're going to win because she's broken bread with you. She knows you and I might even have better stuff, but it doesn't change the fact that the relationship wins. I do love that idea of doing tandem co-hosting of dinners. I never really thought of it that way. I think it creates this interesting Venn diagram of collision points and bringing different people together. All right, I am two and a half minutes past my 20-minute allotment. Dory, you've broken up coach already. That You're such a champ. I love spending time with you. I'm happy that we get to introduce you into the up coach world if people didn't already know who you are. Where is the best place that we can send people, Dory, to connect with you and, and learn more about what you do? Todd, I appreciate it. My website is doryclark.com. I have 700 free articles that I've written over the years uh, from Harvard Business Review and Fast Company and other places like that. If folks want to learn more about my newest book, The Long Game, you can get a free long game strategic thinking self-assessment at doryclark.com slash the long game. There we go. Perfect way to end it. Thank you again so much, Dory. Have a fantastic rest of your day and appreciate you coming on and dropping some of your amazing wisdom on the UpCoach podcast. I always love seeing you, Todd. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the UpCoach podcast with your host, Todd Herman. I hope you got a lot of value from today's episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. You get notified when we drop our next episode every week. Just type in the UpCoach podcast in the search and click the subscribe button on your favorite listening platform. And a review, a little snar rating, wouldn't hurt. And finally, all the show notes, tips, links shared, and the transcript is over at upcoach.com slash podcast, where you can also get your free trial for our modern transformation platform specifically built for coaches and creators that care. The UpCoach podcast is produced by our friends at Ventures FM. Now that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time. And of course, keep on coaching. Thank you.